Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Bears fans, welcome to another episode of Bear Bones. I am Mason West, and as always, and sometimes, I am joined by Danny Meehan. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mason. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Not bad. We were just talking, right? Like, we're both a little tired today. Things are a little little more chill. I mean, coming off, I think I a lot men spent most of the week just being really excited about last week. And then as you get closer and closer <laughs> to a Lions game, it's just not as exciting. So it's hard, but it's, you know, we're here and hopefully it's another chance for this offense to take another step forward. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's especially exciting in terms of when you talk about the offense itself. Like, you can see the very real transition of what they were trying to do earlier in the year versus where they was like true drop back to fields, let them pass, let them do this, to the transition of – what they're now doing, which is very akin to what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson, even like some of the like change up and play calls to where they put Cole Komet under center for a QB sneak, which makes a ton of sense when you factor in six, five and what, two sixty, two fifty five, 255, whatever he is just to go get one yard, one and a half yards. So, I mean, I obviously we're going to get into more throughout the show, but it's, it's a very exciting time to be a Bears fan because, and not just my lifetime, but the lifetimes of many others, Jay Cutler is the best we've ever seen wear a, wear a Bears uniform and a quarterback, right? Bleh. So. <laughs> no, nothing against Jay. It's just like the fact that that is your your top echelon. is That's your, that's your baseline? That's your baseline yeah. of good quarterback play? Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, Eric Kramer still owns the single season passing record, and that was like 3,800 and some odd yards. Like, there's not even a 4,000 yard passer in this and franchise's Mr. history. And Mr. Trubisky is, you know, passed as the leading, what the team leader in passer rating. Yeah. Which, woo, I guess. Uh, so, one housekeeping tip thing before, tidbit before we get going. Um, tune in tonight on Second City Gridiron. There's going to be another Bare Bones episode that's actually going to come out at nine on the YouTube channel. And then sometime this weekend, pop up for your podcasting pleasure uh it was an interview that i got to do with dr michael risher he is actually a, a chiropractor and works with justin fields on a weekly if not daily basis and so he got to give us a little insight into what that looks like what they're working on and how that's been translating the game so it's, it was a pretty fun interview 45 minutes of deeper you know medical performance stuff and uh so yeah definitely check that out uh, yeah, and then able to get him on is super cool. And uh, actually, he was down to do some more too. So look for him to pop on. Maybe we can get him on the regular show too, uh, and just keep talking yeah. about some of the the other guys he works with because he's worked in the past with Khalil Mack when he was here, Darnell Mooney consistently, Dave Montgomery consistently. Uh, you know, he's worked with uh, Josh Norman 
you know, back in his Buffalo Bills days. Uh, so, you know, he's he's a pretty big dude. Uh, not literally big. He's a normal size dude. But he's he's getting real big in the <laughs> community, especially. And uh, really big in the bowling community, actually. So if you want bowling talk, we did that for about two minutes at the end there, too. Um, but, Danny, before we get heavy, heavy into this, I have one question sure. I've got to ask you. How would you define quarterback? Because I think for me, that's been floating around a lot, especially with what Justin did last week. I mean, and like, are you talking like the prototypical drop back pass or the way we think of like Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers, that regard, or like the how the new era of quarterback has started to come in with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields to that to that extent now where it's running around. There's a there's an athleticism to if Miriam Webster came to you and said, We need the the two sentence spiel on quarterback and they're, they're going to put your definition in there that everyone's going to look at and use going forward. I think it's fluid. Like it's some rendition thereof, like everything else. Like, cause I, I'm firm, a firm believer of true progression as a quarterback happens between the hash marks and being able to throw the ball and make, make decisions with your eyes and manipulate the safety and make corners guess and, basically be a true quarterback, but like it's a, it's, it's a sliding scale, you know, it's not the same as it ever was. Fran Tarkenton, for instance, was not a traditional drop back passer. He was mad Fran, the guy who ran around and made things happen. Like it, there's, it's never a true definition. I just think people have this idea in their mind that a quarterback has to be Tom Brady or has to be Phillip Rivers or has to be Peyton Manning or has to be X, Y, or Z. And now that you're seeing something different because of the way offenses are played at levels other than the NFL, so the NCAA and high school, and even going into Pop Warner, it's really just give your best athlete the football as many times as, as you can. And because it's a drop back style football now versus hand the ball off, the best athlete has gone from being the running back to the quarterback. It's just it's just a progression of how it is. And the reason I asked is because you know you you have some individuals, and I think most were very excited about what we saw on Sunday, just as I was, just as I know you were. Um, and then you have some individuals, like I believe there was a commentary by Sean McCoy, if that if that helps at all. I mean, who cares really what Sean McCoy says? But I, he dropped multiple times. You know, no, he's a running back or. You know, oh wait, like you know, let me know when, like how when he throws the ball, and you know, ignoring the fact he threw three touchdowns. Um, but yeah, but if you go to Merriam-Webster, because I was curious, so I just looked it up while you were talking there. They define it as an offensive back in football who usually lines up behind the center, calls the signals, and directs the play of the team. It has nothing. I mean, even if you go by that definition, which I mean, obviously is its own thing, it has nothing to do with being specifically a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady as player. And again, as we are moving forward in this more modern day era, like you said, fluidity and that ever changing definition, what we have needs to needs to shift. Uh, and if and not, at the end of the day, if there's you evolve or die. If you don't evolve, you die. But like I said, at the end of the day, who cares if it's if it looks like Tom Brady or Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or if they're effective, who cares? Oh, and then we got uh, our regular tuner guy that tunes in, John Talalia. John Teltalia, rather. Uh, quarterback is someone who distributes the football to playmakers, including themselves. It's pretty spot-on, easy definition, if you ask me. <laughs> I would say so. 
All right, well, let's get into the regular portion of the show. I just had to get that off my chest. It's bug- It was bugging me all week, and I wanted- I was curious what your thoughts were going to be. Knee-jerk reaction, what was yours uh, for that last game? Um, <laughs> that Justin Fields is special. I mean, that, that how can you come away with anything else? The guy set the single-season, rush- single-game rushing record in a season for quarterback rushing yards. He threw for three touchdowns, two of them to the man who loves falling on the ground himself. And, I was wondering if I was going to come up this podcast. <laughs> and um, it was just one of those things, like, it finally felt like the coming out party we all were waiting for to happen. Like, it happened a little bit against the Cowboys where it was like, see, this is what we've been talking about. And then last weekend was just against the Dolphins where you're like, look at this. And then you had the awesome clip of Mike McDaniel, you know, trying to quote unquote coach him on the sideline of yeah. stop that. Would you just stop that? And then he had the fun presser afterward of like, well, if he kept scrambling and you know, like he just doesn't listen to coaching or whatever, whatever he said to that effect. Like it was fun. And it finally makes you feel like the answer isn't just a hypothetical that the answer is truly the answer. You're no longer guessing between A, B, C, and D on your multiple choice test, right? This is now you've studied and B is the answer. So well, that's what I left. And what you, what you said, like, so one of mine later connects more to that. So I'll, I'll dive into that when we get a little further in um, my knee jerk reaction was no thinking you were going to go that route. This defense isn't good. It's just bad. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's fine for now. I mean, it's, it's funny because, you know, we as Bears fans have usually been on the other side of it where the defense is like all like, you know, bear down, monsters of the midway, all that jazz. And the, the offense has been horrendous and even coming away with wins or close losses. And it's, but it's also so different because coming up, I've never really been on this side where the offense is really fun and exciting and you're glued to the TV and the defense is horrendous. And it's like, I don't really care that much it's fine i mean especially looking forward putting my gm hat on it's i would think it's going to be easier to construct a defense that can will not lose you a game whether that's with drafts whether that's especially because you like kind of your point you kind of see even like with the second half adjustments a majority of miami's points were scored in the first half again and it wasn't for them pulling pulling the dogs off that's that's coaching. Again, they adjust at halftime. They make life harder. Are they talented? No. Is Jack Sanborn running in mud or concrete at all points of his life? Yes, he is, but they still try. It's not like they're out there with talented players getting burned. They're out there with under-talented players just – kind of getting beat up by the best receiving duo in the league. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, I believe, set the record for most receiving yards last week through 10, through what, nine weeks of the season or nine games played of the season of any duo in NFL history. Like It's not like they were playing bums. They're playing the best duo in the league, who also happen to be probably the first and second fastest receivers in the league against an undermanned defense that had its, what, two of its most effective defensive players traded away. So it, it is what it is, man. Like, you got to take it for what it is based off talent. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, like you said, there's there's a lot of holes in this defense. I expect a very different front seven going into next year. Um, and I expect a lot of overs. <laughs> Pick a lot of a lot of overs going forward when you're looking at Bears matchups, especially when you look at some of the other teams yeah. that are playing, as they also don't have great defenses, as we'll see when we get deeper into this matchup. Uh, but that'll lead us to our next category, to be a perfectly honest. And my brutally honest takeaway from this game uh, was that Justin Fields is is him. Justin Fields is Himothy. It's it's kind of crazy when you look at some of these things. According to True Media, Dolphins bliss a season high fifty six point four percent of dropbacks, yet he still produced. According to Next Gen Stats, take this with a grain of salt as all you should with all stats. You know, all three of Justin Fields' passing touchdowns came against the blitz. Um, if you look at this, actually from our our good friends. Uh, Quentin over at a Buckus Stats uh, throwing this up there. Basically, what this is showing is that Justin Fields now has the third highest first down rate amongst all qualifying QBs uh, behind only Pat Holmes and Josh Allen. That's some pretty, when you look at specifically also QB usage, uh, that's some pretty good group that you're hanging out with uh, with, with, with that. It takes consideration. Well, and then lastly, when you're hanging out with you over the yeah. first. 19 stars between let's say let's use josh because for me the comp's always been josh allen so when you look at that comparing fields and allen yeah, over the first 19 career stars allen had 56.8 completion percentage justin fields at 59 percent allen was at 20 touchdowns 19 receptions justin fields at 17 and 15 pass rating for allen 74.9 79.4 for justin and rushing yards for allen 852 988 for justin We're, that's pretty darn good when you really look at it Mm-hmm. It's uh it's a trajectory and a trend that you'd like to see, especially given the still really dearth of offensive talent that's on the roster. The the line isn't magically better. The receivers have gotten better, but I would argue, especially in his debut, Claypool left some, if not more, to be desired. I mean, it's it's a work in progress, but I think the growth from from Getzy as a play caller, more importantly, the growth of Justin Fields as a football player, is there, and it's it's worth commending. Before we get to your um, perfectly honest, out of curiosity, but you brought up Claypool, what would your letter grade be for him for that last game? C plus. Why? Um, it. It's a small sample size, but some of the issues that were consistent in Pittsburgh of spotty hands kind of arose. He had an easy little bubble screen where he had six if he just catches the football based on how he runs after the catch. And it's not me being overly critical. It's me calling a spade a spade. He had these issues before. He only catches 56 or so percent of all targets that go his way. This isn't a, 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 a new issue. This is something that just he does. Claypool is going to be a good football player. He already is a good football player. But my issue is always going to come back to, as I spoke about last week, when you're giving up a top 40 pick, you can't drop a bubble screen that's designed to go to you. In fact, I think they were being nice because I thought I had counted three when, in fact, they had counted two by – actual statistics of drop passes. The two I'm guessing they were, were both, you know, were screens. I believe one went to the left side of the formation, one went to the right side of the formation. And it's just like, 
those are gimmies that you have to catch football. I'm right. I'm not too far from you. I mean, I I was thinking a B for him because you're absolutely right. Like that gimme, that bubble screen was you got to catch that. You 100. There's no ex- there's no excuse for it, Mason. You're and you then, just got to. T- <laughs> but when you go, but then when you look at the literally the next, the reason I'm not going to the C route though is because when you go to the sure. next play and he then catches it and then is able to plow his way and then get a first down, you know, shake it off and move on to the next play. Things sure. like th- that's where I start to give the wiggle room, you know, with some of the execution issues, because there were some, some of the routes seems not exactly where they hundred percent should be being a short week, right. Being coming off a trade, all those things, drawing that uh, the pass interference that was called early in the game and then should have drawn the second one later in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm settling in that BB minus area for that. And you're absolutely right. He needs to be catch those passes. The thought is, the hope is, there is a different culture here in Chicago that he don't joins the Mooney mindset, the Justin mindset in terms of the extra work. He's on the jugs machine, all those things that honestly is from what I understand was not happening in Pittsburgh. But if he okay. doesn't do that, then yeah, you're then yeah, you're a C player if he doesn't do those things. That's, that's right. And I'm not trying yeah. to, like I said, I'm not trying to be overly harsh. I just think six is greater than six points greater than ten yards, right? Yeah. So sure he got he got the the first down the following play on that tunnels or the bubble screen rather, but you need to catch that football. And it's, it's easy to say in hindsight and it sucks to say like, Oh, well he still made a play the next play. I just, it's one of those things like I keep seeing like the 40th overall pick flash in my head. Like, and I'm not saying that there's a player in the top 40 that's going to be as good or better than Chase Claypool. What I'm saying is I'm not looking at it as just 40 for Chase Claypool. I'm looking at it as 40 for Chase Claypool and $20 million a year. Cause that's what he's going to get. And that's, and that's a fair point. It's, I always struggle, at least this is just me personally, how much I want to analyze specifically game by game, how that player's doing. Sure. And then comparing that to like, you're saying like the cost it was to get that player. Right, because mm-hmm. there's a truth to it. A six-round pick, let's say you drafted some rookie, a six-round production should be different than a second-round production. It just mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's hard not to put that little that little extra on it. But at the same time, it's like, how much should you look at it as within a vacuum, isolated, like within the context of this game and what he can. And that's fair. Da, 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 da. And that's yeah, that's always where I struggle. Yeah, and and that's fair because he's eventually prop. It might even be this weekend against the Lions. He's going to start out snapping Equinemius St. Brown. It's just going to happen. Oh, the game against his brother? That's going to be so sad. The Sun God? Yeah, they are, those are cool names. I don't care. I mean, you have to be a football they're... player to have those names, but they're cool names. <laughs> they are cool. I would agree with you there. I'm sorry. You can't be an accountant and be Amon Ra St. Brown. It just doesn't, you doesn't work. You can't have the nickname Sun God? <laughs> no, you can't. Um, sorry. <laughs> I digress. Back to you, to be perfectly honest. Um. It, I guess if we're being like just on the surface, I kind of made a joke about it earlier, but just it, it they're going to need eight defensive starters next year. Oh, God, yes. Like it's – I made the joke about Sanborn and how he's running in concrete or mud or whatever, and that's fine. <laughs> but I can make an argument that outside of really um, Jalen Johnson – Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson. So three quarters of your secondary, like that you might need eight new whole starters, depending on how you view Kyler Gordon. 
But how do you view Kyler Gordon, especially in the last – not comparing first, you know, three weeks to pretty last. So I'll feel better if they just keep him as pure nickel. I, that's how I had him evaluated at Washington. But he's still got to prove that he can do that. Yes, he he is a still a – you still need to do get a lot more homework done on him. And, like, that's a good mm-hmm. thing, right? This is only week 10. We got a lot of time ahead of us. I would at least say at least I'm happier with what we've seen more recently, but they've also haven't played amazing off. I don't want to even say that. Kyler Gordon wasn't getting heavily picked on. In okay, so game. maybe I should digress and say seven because yeah. I think Kendall Vildor is painfully still Kendall Vildor and has been since the Dallas game. He's also painfully has a busted ankle. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> um, and Justin I Jones? actually, what do you think about Justin I, Jones? that? That was the one I was going to add if you want to make it seven. So. Yeah. Justin Jones, I think, has been impressive, especially because I've heard nothing more than, especially when he came from Chargerland, that he leaves a lot to be desired on the like he leaves meat on the bone when he's on the field, and it's hard to, it, it's truly hard to evaluate him when arguably your second best defensive lineman this year has been Watts, right? So, yeah. it's like, where where does he begin to not? not be good and where do his deficiencies just become part of the fact that the rest of the defensive line is not good. I think you're right. I would, I'm going to be very interested and hope to see what happens when like, like, like Mooney, right? I think Mooney's going to be better the second half of the year because he's next to Chase Claypool. Who's going to take at least some <laughs> attention. So I would hope to see, well, what is Justin Jones going to be when you bring in whatever three tech or whoever else you're going to bring in like DeForest Buckner, maybe the whole belt trade be up for the Colts. That'd be fantastic um, to bring in someone else. And he can just do his thing more, but yeah, as of right now, he's just, sure. been, he's been fine. 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 Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Next section. We're going to, what do you find? We found this either humorous, you know, something that from either the previous week or going into this week that just made us chuckle a bit. You know, I'll let you lead this one off, Mason, because I'm curious what you have to say. Okay. Um, I went with the fact that Tevin Jenkins went from being almost traded and being bashed for his work ethic and mentality to arguably being one of, if not the best current Bears offensive lineman. Uh, according to PFF underscore Brad, Brad Spielberger, uh, with, with PFF, obviously, uh, he tweeted out that the highest graded guards over the last three months were number one. Uh, Browns guard Joel Petonio, which was very good. Uh, Patriots right guard Michael Enwinu. And then I'm so bad at pronunciation of names. If there's anything, (laughs) if there was like a way that you could fade my name pronunciation in like a betting format, I would be right up there. Um, And then number three is Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Against the Dolphins, Jenkins only surrendered two pressures on 43 pass blocking snaps. So I, I just look back and think it's funny how he was just written off. What I mean, honestly, even as far as back as last year. So. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, the the thing I found humorous, um, I, Cole Komet is kind of my personal punching bag in terms of like when I speak about him. And one of my big issues has always been that he can't turn, and when he unless he has a head of steam built up, he doesn't really, you know, use his big body to mow people over or anything like that. And he had two of them. He had the little end around where he actually was able to flip his hips and get upfield a little bit. It wasn't a, a massive game, but I think, what did he get, like seven yards, six, seven yards out of it? So um, I just found it humorous that he actually turned. And then he had his one cold dozer moment, I guess we'll call it, where it's, uh, yeah, he, he 
some poor Miami defensive back was in his way, and he um, went right over top of him and just kind of buried him in the dirt. So credit to Cole Komet along with that. It was just humorous that all the things that I had issue with, he didn't just fall over after catching the football or or have to run continue in the straight line. He was actually able to veer off and up. And I know this wasn't something you said, but I know something that others have talked about when it comes to kind of the commit bashing is his production. And at least I've always kind of been a commit defender to an extent when it comes to his receptions have always been up there in terms of tight end production. It just was red zone stuff. But part of that is also the bears have been terrible in the red zone. They never even got there. Lo and behold, you get to the red zone and look at that. He has three touchdowns over two games. So go figure. Yeah. Like, like I said, humorous, but you take you take your victories where you can. And Cole Komet wasn't just serviceable at this game. He was good. He was a good football player this past weekend. So, uh, speaking of that cornerback that got run over by the dozer, he probably suffering from a little bit of a headache after that. Uh, <laughs> our concussed corner, Danny, what do you got? Um, uh, mine was Khalil Herbert on the special teams play uh, where the punt got blocked in return for a touchdown. Oh, gosh. Because... Yeah. Because um, normally the issue with Khalil Herbert is his pass protection. Well, you know, you kind of still got to block people on a free run to the punter. And um, he kind of did. It looked like he overstepped, anticipating him to go a different way and just kind of gave him the free lane. But, uh, yeah, that was my questionable decision of Khalil Herbert. What you what you doing, bruh? <laughs> and that was probably something that was showing up on film, I would guess, right? You know, you're the Dolphins special teams uh, coach, right. and you're like, oh, we can take advantage of that. And I had the exact same thought you did when that happened. I was like, he's he's not a great pass blocker. I mean, the, the team literally averages less yards per, per play when he's in there on passing mm-hmm. downs. Like, for, for part of that reason, why do you have him back there? And then you think about how multifaceted that position has to be. He's, a, he's great at covering kicks, right? But you're not going to yeah. have him as a gunner. And it... it it sucks. I mean, at the end of the day, just you has to be better at, at that. You're a professional football player. You got to be able to do make that block. I agree. And it's not even just make the block, just get in his way. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, how long does it take? What does the average uh, snap to punt? I don't know. Like, Off the top of my head, I don't have that in front like of me. But... Two, three, two, three seconds, something like that. Like, just be a roadblock at least. Just trip them. Yeah, just just get, get, get in the way. Be the corner to cold to cold commit. Just get run over, <laughs> and, and that's and that's rough. It's it's really be, rough. Be a mild impediment. That's all I ask. Uh, my concussed corner, and so forgive me for this soapbox I'm about to go on because it's something you must go. got into. So you know this tweet went out uh, this week, and it basically saying uh, from Alex Shapiro, NBC Sports. Uh, Bears had heard back from the league on a few pl- few plays they sent into the Dolphins game. According to the team source, the league says officials missed on two big penalties. Go figure. Uh, I added the go figure, by the way. Uh, DPI against Eddie Jackson should not have been called. Duh. And the D- DPI should have been called on Chase. People. Uh, not like those two affected the game at all. Now, I'm never someone that's going to root for losses. I'm also someone that has... And I'm also usually not someone that blames refs. But those are egregious calls. Uh I having challengeable pass interference did not go well when the NFL tried it before, but in my opinion, they never really gave it a chance. They, I think they brought it in there because it was so bad in that saints Rams playoff game. I believe it was that they were like, Oh, we need to like make a showing of this. And then when they had it in that for the year, 
they almost didn't overturn any of them because they didn't want the refs, in my opinion, to look human, to be able to look like they were fallible. And so they were like, oh, all right, well, we never really overturned any of these. We should just get rid of them because it slows the game down. And And either make it reviewable or at least maybe in like the last couple minutes of the game, make that reviewable. So you're not doing it too many times. And I'm a big advocate. I think it was the XFL, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they brought in the Sky Judge. And there was literally just someone sitting up in the box who was like, look, that was absolutely not a hold. Or, hey, look, that was absolutely past interference. They're still a referee, and they can still make that call. And they'll literally have all the views that are sitting there that we get at home. Because if you look at the All-22, yes, it was a little hard to see. You you can even do what the NHL does, where they have a literal just headquarters of other officials watching and just like they they buzz in like, hey, listen, you missed this call. There's look, we live in a day and age where before the game in the broadcast at Gillette Stadium, they had a giant razor being projected onto the field, like that you could see from the TV. I don't know if you saw that. That was stupid. It was a couple. I, years ago. I, know, I caught that earlier in the game in the Patriots it's game. Yeah, ridiculous. But we can't have you can't get that call right. You can't like why not? Like admit that you're a human being. I mean, the other part of it that will always bug me mason is they don't have strict and sound terminology and regulation for what a pass interference is a lot of it is a ref's judgment call yes and it's like that you can't like how are you supposed supposed to say the call is wrong then it's like the fumble thing from a couple years ago well or the uh the kid not the fumble thing i'm sorry the catch thing where it's like they didn't know what a catch was where you know cowboys fans will hate me but the Des Bryant catch that wasn't a catch because the ground caused the, the incompletion. Because and it's too like athletic and too good of a receiver, so therefore so that he, couldn't possibly be a catch, he, essentially. Yeah. He can't physically come up with that possession because gravity says no. The Megatron <laughs> Lions one against the Bears. The Megatron Lions one against the Bears, where he literally lands on his butt in the end zone because he slams the ball down to his offside to stand up and drops the football. It's no longer a touchdown. Okay. The rule, the rule essentially it should be for these things. If it looks like a pass interference, it's a pass interference. That's essentially what it is. It's common sense. What are you saying? Chase Claypool and I don't remember who the corner was. It might have been Xavier Howard, but who wrapped him up around the waist? You don't sit. You don't think that will come like Jack and Rose in the Titanic is pass interference? Oh no, obviously not. And then when you like slightly <laughs> breathe right on, I think it was was it Jalen Waddle, and like he jumps into you when he's going for the ball. That's that's obviously on Eddie Jackson. DeMar DeRozan is upset with you, sir. <laughs> you know, I only want it to work though for my teams. Don't don't talk about it. Yeah, don't talk about that <laughs> otherwise. Um the other part that I was gonna bring up was uh in terms of the soapbox, my defensive pass interference soapbox will always be the underthrown football where the receiver oh. runs into the corner. Yes. Like Tell your quarterback to get a better arm. That's like that will always irk me because there was one. What was it where Jalen Waddle ran into Jalen Johnson, and it was just like, "Hey, defensive pass interference." Because Tua Tagovailoa literally just does not have the arm strength to put it where the ball needs to go. Like, right. Otherwise, why don't yeah? Like, well, why don't we just teach not, our quarterbacks to just constantly throw behind where the defender is, have the offensive what, player go no, back into it constantly. No kidding. That's what I would do if I were an off or, or a quarterbacks coach. Like, hey, if you don't think the pass is there, severely underthrow it to the point where your receiver is just going to run right into the defensive back yeah. because it's 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 an inefficiency because they're so hell bent on making this an offensive league that 
you can literally just run into a corner who can't turn his head around because the ball is underthrown. Like that's someone's sorry that that specific you're right you're absolutely right specific portion of that penalty will always irk me because there's nothing the defender can do in that in that sense. Well, and we can talk about this forever, but we need to move on to our. We could. Uh, Let's move on. Move on yeah. oh, now. Because yeah, I could I could literally just talk about that for days. Um, so jaw dropping stat, really mine, really quick, super simple. Time to throw for Justin Fields. Uh, people constantly talking about how you know he's the slowest in the league, and he has been. But uh, last week, he act, the fastest time to throw was Tom Brady at two point two six seconds. Ranked fourth fastest was Justin Fields at two point three seven seconds. So partially the offense, partially getting him moving. All receivers getting a little more open. I think with the presence of someone like a Chase Claypool did in fact help. It, things are starting to shift a bit where he's not just sitting, 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 mm-hmm. sitting. Uh, I agree. So my jaw-dropping stack is kind of two-pronged. One is going to be the fact that uh, – well, I already kind of brought up the first one I was going to use just because I was on a rant earlier. But the the Dolphins receivers <laughs> receiving tandem setting an NFL record through 10 weeks of football being played for most receiving yards of a duo is absolutely absurd for a quarterback who I don't think is anything more than fine. He's a good, fine quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa, but I would. I just wonder. Like, it's hard to not play the what if game. Like, what if Justin Fields had that kind of dynamic receiving duo in front of him to play football with? It's a kind of thing. A hundred, a hundred, hundred points. <laughs> and then the other one was, I believe, uh, Next Gen Stats had uh, two separate runs of Justin Fields this past weekend at twenty plus miles per hour. That boy is not just moving. He is moving, moving. He's going so fast. Uh, book it. <laughs> I'm book, book this, right? Pin this time, timestamp, whatever. Sometime this year, he's going to break 22 miles per hour. It's going to happen. That, Mason, that is so fast. <laughs> it's just, it, it's it's just like, a matter he's, but of he's not. But he's not – it doesn't look like he's running that hard. Like when Kyler Murray breaks out and he is – like top speed, he looks like he is running so very hard. Like when Justin Fields breaks pocket and gets loose, it's like it's like he's gliding. Yeah, it's yeah. like a glide. It's awesome. It it's beautiful to watch, and it's again. I just it's nothing else to say I can say about it, but besides effortless. And actually, with with that in mind. Why don't we just take a quick look at it? Like it's just ridiculous. He's so fast. <laughs> And then, like, and then when the the Bears Twitter account tweeted out the video of you seeing it from the the end zone view of the or the the opposing end zone view, and you see like he's got both hands on the ball at almost all points, and his eyes are staying downfield, right? Oh, and is back looking to throw. Fields jumps up in the pocket. Now he's going to have to keep it himself. He runs. He gets the first down to midfield. And we're at the forty. Fields to the 30, to the 20. Can he beat the angle? He does. He finishes in the end zone. Touchdown. 61 yard. A Sunday stroll for just. 
You mean that? Yeah, like, and then like, I'm sure you have a more medical scientific term for it, but like the proprioception of just understanding where everyone is at and like, and feeling almost where everyone is at around you to just be able to like flip your hips, turn, look down, feel like you're going to pass, get them to bite on the fake and then just take off again without really ever breaking stride or hesitating in any way, shape or form. That that's a very special like version of athlete. That is very hard to do. And uh, Dr. Michael Richter and I, we talked about that today. We actually went over that play for about five, 10 minutes. So, and some of the training that him and Justin have been doing to specifically work on what Danny talked about there, the proprioception, his ability to, there's a, there's a little, there's that little uh, mechanism you have, right? Where it's like the eye head and how that reacts to the rest of your body, how they're working on that, the thoracic rotation. So again, check that video out. It's going to go live tonight at 9 PM for a little deeper dive, but Danny's absolutely right. Just the, the what he needs to do to accomplish all facets of that play. There are so few individuals in the league uh, anywhere, let alone the league that can do that. Right. And this isn't just like, Oh, that's a football thing. That's like, that is all athletes on the face of the earth kind of thing. That is hard to do what he did. And he never even breaks stride. It's wild. Oh, I just love Justin. All right. Moving on to our training (laughs) roundup. Again, that's another thing. I could just talk about like stuff like that for the rest of the stream. Uh, we're going to look here what we have to uh, for the Bears and the Lions. Bears, there's a couple things that popped up here. You know, Jalen Johnson had something similar where he popped up with the limited participation at the end of a week and then didn't play for a couple weeks. Today, it's an oblique for him. Uh, the hope is that we'll see what Friday holds. Uh, so if you'll have to pop in and we'll have a little conversation along with Lester, Will Fong regarding uh, – where, where he's at on Friday. Tevin Jenkins also popping up with a hip. Between the two, I would be more concerned about Tevin Jenkins. Sorry, excuse me, Jalen Johnson than Tevin Jenkins. Uh, hip, play, a little easier to play through. Oblique, I mean, that core stuff, Danny, I don't know if you've ever dealt with that with either any of your training or any of that uh, aspect, but anything your time you're doing with that core, that's something I've, you want to be I've, I've had a strained oblique before, and that was not fun. It's everything you do, right? I mean, it's coughing, it's sneezing, it's talking, it's laughing. It's even just it's even just like if you have to turn to like get a cup of water that's off to your side, it's like it's just tense and tight and it just it's it's no matter what you do at the very least it's mild discomfort. Just like this sucks. <laughs> Nothing about this is fun. So yeah, that's that's why we're both I, we're both concerned about where Jalen Johnson might be. Keep an eye on that. Um, mm-hmm. Al-Qadid Muhammad, knee, don't know much about it, but two DMPs in a row for him. Same thing with Kendall Vildor. I mean, I love that Kendall Vildor play that happened there, the way he went down. Uh, I was thinking high ankle sprain when I first saw that. Uh, but the fact that they haven't put him on IR yet, maybe it's not actually that, or at least not a severe one, maybe more of a grade one. Uh, having Al-Qadid Muhammad out, how concerned would you be about that? Um. It's not like the run defense is great, but it would make me a little concerned because he is probably their best run defender, not named uh, Watts on the defensive line. Like I, I know he's a very easy punching bag because he's the paid guy in the line now at this point. That isn't named Justin Jones, but he is a steadying. Like he contains. He doesn't. He he's he's just not a sexy defensive end. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Like he said, he's good in run in run defense. Um, he just because he's got the defensive end position on him, you know, he's not getting sacks, he's not getting pressures, and that's yeah. what everyone thinks of when you think about that position. 
Yeah. So, and Akino Vildor, if he doesn't play, honestly, I'm fine seeing. I'd rather, if anything, see what some of the other guys can do. Like, uh, is it J- Jalen Jones? Um, yeah, Jalen Jones. Interesting little corner there. What can he do? I don't. I think Kendall Vildor is a great guy. He had some really good spurts at the beginning of this year. I ju- he's just when the Bears are playing for the playoffs, let's say next year or the year after that, whatever the case may be. I don't think Kendall Vildor is your cornerback or your nickel. Correct. Moving on to the Lions. Uh, there's a lot to go through here, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to look at the ones that are like the biggest ones. One being Josh Reynolds, right? I mean, he is one of their main receivers, not named Sun God. So taking away another passing option for uh, J- Jared Goff would be a big deal. Um, uh, looking at it, Kirby Joseph. Kirby uh, Joseph would be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, who had the all-time greatest Instagram tagline on a post of all time. He's just been farting. He ain't been shitting on anyone yet. <laughs> so good. I absolutely just, love that. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Kirby. A couple of the people that stand out, really just two more that are I would say are like the biggest ones. Malcolm Rodriguez, he's actually been solid for them as a rookie linebacker. He's someone that I know I'm off to the Bears as like a late linebacker option. He gets a lot I of said it. I said it when the Detroit Lions drafted him, and I'll say it again. They got a starting linebacker for a very long time in Detroit in Malcolm Rodriguez. That dude just understands football geometry. Right place, right time. And he's and he is athletic, right? He's not Sanborn. He's not running in concrete. <laughs> And then, and then lastly, DeAndre Swift. Um, DeAndre Swift is the next. Frank Ragnow obviously is important, but he was a bull participant. I'm not going to worry about him. DeAndre Swift, he's been interesting. Um, I don't know how much you're keeping up with lines specifically stuff, but right, he had the injuries, Danny, and then he came back. And then one of the coaches, it might have even been uh, Campbell, said we probably gave him too much on this plate when he came back. Like he's kept, I have Jamal Williams on my fantasy team, and I'm loving it because – Swift is not really doing much. So Williams is doing. Swift is one of, yeah. Swift is one of the better running backs in football for my money at this point, um, because he can do a little bit of everything. But I think that's the the issue you're seeing right here. He's a smaller back. He's going to just run into these issues from large 220 plus pound men are just running into him at all points of his career. Like he's he's a talented football player. Yeah, tough to stand the field. I mean, look. Look at the other guys that fall in those categories. I mean, running backs in general is hard, but I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he's just constantly beat up. All of the 49ers running backs are always hurt and because they always get like the smaller, speedy guys. I mean, they're just not. Stubborn. Question, Mason. Is it out of the realm of possibility where David Montgomery can start donating his blood and they do platelet spinning for all these other running backs and inject his blood into them? Is that, is is that, that out is of that the how- realm? It's not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> um, I just, I just don't want to give it away because you know that's that's a Bears thing, and I want to keep that close. You got to the keep Wolverine season. on the Bears. Yeah, at least until he retires, as oh, not a Bear probably. All right, well, we're gonna take a short break. Uh, while we're doing that, why don't you enjoy uh, Justin running the ball like one more time? <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And so we awesome. are back. Yeah, what a, what a good thing to come back to, right? Just so awesome. It's elegant. We are going to move on to looking ahead at this matchup specifically between the Lions and the Bears. The Chicago Bears have led the series 104 wins, 75 losses, five ties, and they've won four of the last five. Something to keep in mind with this, uh, the Bears have scored on 53.1% of their drives over the past three weeks, the highest rate in the league. Uh, over the opening six weeks, Chicago scored only 32.3% of the possessions, which was 21st in the league. So you can see how much progression that is. Compare that to the Lions. 44.6% of the drives against the Lions reached the red zone or score prior, which prior, the highest rate in the league. So, you know, not exactly fantastic if you are a Lions fan. But now that means that we can look at our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it. Some of the matchups that we are excited about, the ones we're not at all, and the ones that we would fix. Danny, what do you love? Uh, I love Justin Fields against this defense. Uh, they should, in theory, have a field day against them or a Fields day. There it is. <laughs> um, and I would like to say that we're going to probably see Darnell Mooney have another game. I, I think it was kind of evident even last week, despite my C grade on Chase Claypool, that just his very presence out there when he was out there with Darnell Mooney made it made his life just easier by the fact that he existed out there. It's another body you have to account for that isn't just out there for blocking purposes, like Equinemius St. Brown. Equinemius, I think, for being who he is, was fine. He is a fine football player. He's a good wide receiver five. Four, five. Oh, I was going to say four just to be nice. Four, yeah, five. four, five, whatever. Let's say four. Four or five for, for argument's sake. And he is being thrust into, for the better part of this year to this point, as wide receiver two and playing very meaningful amounts of snaps. At the end of the day, at a certain point, it's not Equinemius St. Brown's fault that he's still Equinemius St. Brown, right? That he doesn't that he just physically can't do things at the NFL level that other guys can. He's still a fantastic football player by the by measure of the normal person, but by measure of other wide receivers in the NFL who start, he is not that good. I think Claypool just makes Mooney's life easier. And I think I love the matchup of Mooney playing against this Detroit secondary, especially with Claypool still learning the playbook and still getting involved with Justin that I think we could see a good Mooney day of maybe 100-plus reception yards and maybe even more than one touchdown because he finally found the end zone again this past week. 
that would be fantastic uh, because I drafted Mooney in multiple fantasy leagues and dropped him already in a bunch. So the few that I'm hanging on to him in, I would like to be able to play. How many leagues are you in? Five. That's too many. <laughs> I, last year I was in eight, so I've I've already parsed this down. That's way too many. <laughs> um, one thing I did forget to mention earlier, going back to some of the injury stuff. Um, actually, Jake Tongs was waived today, tight end for the Bears. Uh, yep. And Jake, Jake the Tongs process is. it's potentially to make a room for Byron Pringle. Uh, Byron Pringle is coming off with a calf injury. So, so that is actually, to me, a pretty big thing because that means your wide receivers one through three are now all representative NFL starting wide receivers in Darnell Mooney and and Chase Claypool and now Byron Pringle, all of whom whom block better, if not more so than average in the league and gives Justin more targets to throw to and people open more separation. Yeah. And I will also tell you, I was Dante Pettis fanboy the year he came out. I might've had him as high as wide receiver too. I'm not going to divulge that because I'm going to make myself really look bad. I'm I'm saying the word maybe in front of it, but (laughs) Dante Pettis is tired of seeing Dante Pettis play football. That's what I'll say, which means Mason is tired of seeing him. I'm tired of seeing him. Get real wide receivers out there. Byron Pringle is a better football player than Dante Pettis. Play Byron Pringle. He probably should have been ready to do. When you saw Byron Pringle do well, look, that was back with the Chiefs, right? Now they had, right. had Juju, uh, well, not Juju. Uh, we had Tyree Kill, which obviously yes, not saying that, but if you're wide receiver three, like you're talking about, and all the attention's on him, he doesn't produce like a wide receiver one. That's when he gets those open routes underneath, and that's when he can use some of the speed that he does have, and that's where he can be effective. Yeah, and thing like this is where you realize like you probably have too much time on your hands to rewatch football film. I take a sick grace in the physicality of certain players. The Bears receiving core at this moment in time between St. Brown and uh, Byron Pringle, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, uh, Nikhil Harry, they are all demons in the the blocking game. They love getting hats on people and helping spring runs. That is a lot of fun for me to watch because they're not just getting in front of you like, oh, just be a little bit of a speed bump. They're putting their body on you and they're staying and making life difficult to go get free. That's why this running game, despite everything up front being suspect at best, aside from aside from Tevin Jenkins, is doing so well. Because once they get to the second and third levels, they've got receivers getting downfield and helping open up the rest of the running game for them. Hell, even on the 61-yard run, what did you see? You saw Darnell move and slow down and just get get on it. Just get on the defensive back's chest and, smart and help spring too, right? him forward. And it's a good block. It's a good, smart block. Right. And we've seen that before where some of the receivers don't know what to do when they're downfield and they get a block in the back or a hold, and then they'll Justin Scramble or whoever else has the ball is get this call back. Shout out to Amir Smith-Marset. Oh, yeah. The, like, I'm not going to go down that road. All right, my love. My love is <laughs> same thing as you, actually. Bears offense against this Detroit defense. Um, this information, actually, I got from Jonathan Wood. You should give him a follow, Jonathan underscore Wood1. Uh, he does some great stats and collecting of things so that people like me don't have to, and I can just use it. Um, Justin Fields, last played Detroit, 
in the second start of his career. He was 11 for 17 for 209 yards, 12.3 yards per attempt, and had five explosive pass plays that gained at least 20 yards. That is the eighth highest yards per attempt mark in the NFL in an NFL game since Fields' career started. When you look at Detroit's passing defense, they're last in yards per attempt allowed, last in air yards per pass, ninth worst in completion percentage allowed, eighth worst in pressure rating, they're second worst in expected points added, they're eighth worst in explosive passes allowed. And also, the Lions have forced a punt on just 25.3% of opponent possessions, the lowest rate in the league. Give me this all day long. I mean, this is, we talked about last year being a breakout. This is the, should be the kick the door in explosion, nuke, whatever performance that Justin has through the air, not just through on the ground. And take all that whole, he's a running back stuff, watch him out. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I'll just keep going on the, onto my hate. There's not as much to hate in this game, which is rare to say when it comes to Bears games this year, but it's Lions running backs versus the Bears linebackers. Jamal Williams has 126 rushes for 545 yards and eight touchdowns along with nine receptions. And DeAndre Swift, as we talked about, hasn't played a lot. He's only played in five games, three where he started. So he only has 247 yards rushing and one touchdown, but has 16 receptions and two receiving touchdowns. You pair that with... Jack Campbell, who again is functional and that's kind of where he is. You pray that with Morrow, who's very athletic but hasn't always been in the right place at the right time. And that's where some of that concern may occur for me. Sure. So my hate it was the exact same as yours. So I'll just move on to rehabilitate it. And my rehabilitate it was going to be the, the, uh, the defense in and of itself as a whole, not just against the running game. And early on, the Detroit offense was, I believe, through a quarter of the season, was leading the league in big play and like explosive play percentage and in total explosive plays. Um, as of the, I believe, the last three weeks, they have not scored more than 15 points. Jared Goff has regressed to become again Jared Goff, and with a very painfully average to below average quarterback who isn't all that great. And. You now subtract T.J. Hawkinson to that from that that offense who they traded to in division rival the Minnesota Vikings, and and a lack of as you pointed out DeAndre Swift, and this could be almost like a somewhat get right game for the defense where yeah you're still going to allow points but maybe you can kind of use it as like a confidence builder like build because like like I pointed out last week Mason it, it, rehab is not just starting from scratch and doing it anew it, it's a it's a trend it's a prog- it's a process. So maybe this is the start for them of trying to turn the defense around. Are they going to be good this year? No, the defense is not going to be good. They weren't good when they had their all-pro linebacker. They weren't good when they had their all-time single-season sack leader this year. But this could be almost like a confidence-building game to where Allen Williams and Matt Eberflus find some things that the defense does well, and they can build upon that and continue the trend into the offseason and into next year and on in you know future games. So that that's me the rehabilitated of especially when you only outside of Jamal Williams and Amon Ron St. Brown, who does this offense offer against you that you're like really like, ooh, scary? Especially now Hawkinson gone. I didn't understand that move. Uh especially because what they got back, they just basically swapped picks, I think, or something. Like it was a weird trade. I mean, uh, the purveying knowledge is he's got a degenerative ankle. But, I mean, Hawkinson's still a more than functional to good tight end. What is he? I mean, arguably, without looking at it, it's still a top five tight end? Top five to seven, at the, I think, at worst. 
and you couldn't, and especially a passing one, a pass catching one, you couldn't just straight up get a fourth for him. You had to flip picks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, maybe it's them. Maybe it's them actively tanking just to make sure they get a top three pick. I have no idea. I don't, yeah, it's it's nuts. My rehabilitate uh, is yours. Like you're saying is a process. Mine's straight up. You're starting from like a shattered femur, so you're right at the beginning, and there's just such a <laughs> long road ahead. Um, it's the pressure that the Bears generate or lack thereof. Like last week against the Dolphins, they had zero sacks, one tackle for loss, only three quarterback hits. Going into last week, the Bears were 28th in the league in pressure rating at 27%. They just stretch. And like we talked about earlier, Justin Jones is fine, but that's about it. He's fine. And that's really what you have on the front. Travis Gibson started off a little hot. At least I felt I thought he did. And he's just fallen off. So you got it. I would like to see some maybe more creativeness to generate some pressures. Um, they've done that a little bit. Jaquan Brisker, he, does he still lead the league? Oh, not the league, sorry. The team in sacks? I think he's second. I think. But, but your safety really shouldn't be second, right? I mean, that's the thing. It just shouldn't. No, I agree. Moving on. X Factor for the Bears. We're going to run through these a little quicker. Mine's just uh, – oops, that's still that one. X Factor for Bears. Mine's going to be wide receivers. Um, we talked about a couple of plays that were really kind of left on the field when it came to helping out Justin, whether it was Chase Claypool's drop on that little bubble screen, whether it was Equinemius St. Brown's drop to, on fourth down to end the game. Uh, just help your quarterback out when you can on those obvious ones. You know, it's high school stuff. Secure the ball. Run your route right. Run the right depth. That if the Bears receivers can step up, you're going to have to do it. Yeah, uh, my X factor is actually going to be Fields himself because I really don't think much of the offense as a whole. I think the play calling is getting better. I think Justin is getting better. But I just don't think – like you go back and watch, the offensive line just isn't good. The receivers still leave a lot of meat on the bone. Look at Equinemia St. Brown following this should have been pass interference. He dropped a sure fourth and – what was it, nine completion where that ball hit EQ – in the hands catch the football like so it's going to come down to justin and i believe kind of to the x-factor point that no team is allowing more rushing yards a game to the quarterback position than the detroit lions so it so. should be really fun what's your uh, x-factor for the lions what would they have to do um the running game itself the that offensive line when healthy is one of the better ones in the league it just sucks for them that the receivers outside of amon ra leave a lot to be desired and Jared Goff is due to trash butter or average or somewhere in between due to garbage and average, depending on the day. Uh, That's a pretty apt assessment. Yes. <laughs> um, and the running game, especially given how bad the linebackers are right now could wreak a lot of havoc. So it's the, it's really the running backs and in, 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 in themselves to basically make the Bears' lives hard because Jamal Williams is a good NFL running back. Depending on how much tick DeAndre Swift gets, I think he's one of the better backs in the league. They could make their lives very hard, especially if DeAndre Swift is healthy because then they can get him out in space and use him in the passing game as well. My X factor for the Lions is containing Justin Fields for the all of the reasons we said before in terms of how wide they're not said in terms of the Lions giving up rushing they sure do contain Jeff. They can't do that if they allow him to do what he did against them. Actually, what he's allowed been doing over the last couple of weeks, they will 100. Uh, who is your offensive player of the game? You know what? 
I'm going to throw a curveball at you. It's going to be Chase Claypool. You bastard. You stole mine. <laughs> Get pooped Why is it Chase Nathan? Claypool? Now, now, I'm, now I'm upset. Go ahead. Why Go uh, talk gonna, about it's Chase, be Chase why you Claypool. him with your seed grade. <laughs> you almost said I hate Chase Claypool. <laughs> no, I'm starting it right um, now. Trend. Uh, Hashtag Danny, Danny hates Danny Chase. Danny hates Chase. <laughs> um, I just think that they're going to get him involved. He's going to I think he's been putting in a lot of extra work. We saw the report come out that he was working with the offensive uh like coaching assistant or whatever like the the quality control coach, I believe is the, the technical term of the coach was that he was working with and Justin on the side to really get caught up to speed. I think that you're going to see probably some some of the concentration chops drop stop and it's going to be more or less just he is their big play guy. He runs a lot of go routes, a lot of deep outs, a lot of deep, a lot of post patterns, whatnot. And they're going to have the advantageous situation, I think, to take shots downfield. And I think he's inevitably going to come up with at least one of them. I'm going to say all the above. Mine was also Chase Claypool. Like I said, you stole mine. I just think he opens things up for – I think there's a reason that Cole Komet scored two touchdowns last week, besides just having presence in the red zone. There's a reason Darnell Mooney was able to get more involved last week. And sometimes it's just having a, a receiver, a legitimate receiver available on the other side of the formation. Defensive player of the game. I'm going to go with uh, – we talked about him a lot, actually. I'm going to go with Justin Jones. Because he's one of the few people that does generate some pressure. He's one of the few. He's right there in the middle. He's really going to have to eat up a block or two in order for these linebackers to have some more clear lanes if they have a shot at stopping these running backs. Uh, I'm going to go with Jaquan Brisker. Um, the, the Bears linebackers are, how you say, not very good. They these running The running back, the running game, the running backs should get to the second and third levels often. And Jaquan Brisker is a pretty sure tackler. I don't think you're going to see a ton of misdirection just because they're not – I don't think the Lions are really capable of doing so based on their offensive personnel of just being able to run Jared Goff around, run the boot, run the play action, et cetera, et cetera, on like the wide zone and the belly options and whatnot. So I think you're going to just be able to kind of let, let uh, him be the old school hammer, as it were, and just fill the gap and, and hit, be Bob Sanders, and just do your job. I like that. That's a really good call. And that will bring us to who is going to be our king of the north, a.k.a. our most valuable player. Danny, who you got? I think it's going to be the Bears. I think the, the Bears are going to win, and I think your most valuable player is going to inevitably be Justin Fields. He's trending in all the right ways. It's hard to pick anyone else, and I think obviously the reason that Justin Fields has been a very common pick between the two of us since we started this show up is because – he he's really the only player that matters to the extent that he does on this team. He he is the engine of the of the offense, and he's really the engine of the team itself because of how bad the defense is. If he's not good, the Bears aren't good. If, they, if he is good, the Bears have a have a have a have a shot. That's what it comes down to. And I think he's going to have another really good game. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's the easy obvious decision. Um, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. By not throwing a curveball at you. Snap is back, looking to throw. Fields jumps up in the pocket. Now he's going to have to keep it himself. He runs, he gets the first down to midfield. Away at the 40. Fields to the 30, to the 20. Can he beat the angle? He does. He finishes in the end zone. Touchdown. 61 yard. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields and the. 
it's it's Justin. I mean, it's it's honestly even a stupid category we have for the rest of this year. It's always Justin. It's going to be Justin because he's literally the team at this point, and everything that they do and everything they are is going to feed off of him. It just well, that and the forty million dollars they have annually going to the top two receivers that's going to happen this offseason. I still don't think that Moody's going to get twenty. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be, gonna be close, man. It's gonna I mean, like, close. I'm probably playing semantics. Like, it's going to be some, like, 19.3 with, like, an incentive. <laughs> you know, but I don't know. I just don't see him getting 20. I get you. I get Over, you. unders, let's move on. Uh, again, going to run through this kind of quick because we got to get out of here. Uh, hun- over, under, 100 rushing yards for Justin Fields. Under. 100 is a big number. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I just don't see them stopping him. And he's just going to be like, <laughs> okay, watch, watch me. Just, just he's just going to be, yolo- he's just going to be YOLOing it. Just whatever. Like the perfect example of that is, and I know I said, we're going to run through this quick and then I'm not running through it quick. Is the, the play <laughs> with, uh, with, I think it was Phillips, right. Where clearly he, Justin could have handed the ball off and it would have made sense. Cause you know, the, he didn't, Phillips didn't crash down. He didn't, yeah. Phillips didn't crash. Exactly. And, and, and Monty could have gotten whatever it was, you know, six to seven yards. And that you would have been happy with that just, but instead Justin's like, I know I can outrun this guy. So I'm just going to take it and I'm going to instead get, you know, 20, 30 yards. So I don't see anyone on the Detroit Lions defense that he's going to study on film and be like, well, that guy's going to outrun me. And so there's going to be probably so multiple times where he's like, I am this offense and he's just going to go with it. Fair. Over under 100 rushing yards for the Lions in total. Keep in mind the Bears only allowed 46 rushing yards last week. Um, Different offenses. I think they're going to get over 100 just by virtue of the fact that they're not going to let Jared Goff throw to – to the extent that Tua did, there's a lot, big difference between having Jameson Williams and Tyreek Hill and Mike Kosicki to Amon Brown and the Misfit Toys. You know, <laughs> it's almost like yeah, you're you you have the yards because you have to. Like what else do you, at some point? Yeah, what else can you do? Your professional NFL team is it the war yards you want, and the answer is gonna be no. So I, I would agree with you. I would say over, uh, over under thirty receiving yards for Chase Claypool. Over. I like it. Over under 0.5 turnovers for Justin Fields. Under. He's been pretty safe with the ball lately, despite having some fumbles. He hasn't lost any of them yet. I think he should have had an interception last week uh, on the defensive holding call. Now, whether or not he meant, he, whether or not he saw the defensive holding and tried to take a shot anyway, like Aaron Rodgers would have done, or he just misread it and just made a terrible throw, I don't know. It's hard to tell when you rewatch it. Yeah. Um, but I'll say under. He's been pretty safe with the ball the last four weeks. And lastly, over under, 3.5 total touchdowns for Justin. Under. I say he gets three total. Ooh, so it's actually a lower scoring game. That it, oh, you, oh, but they obviously better. Ignore me. Moving forward. So this next <laughs> section. I was just being stupid. Uh, this next section, this is normally where, you know, I pick a player from the Bears, player from the lot, quite a team in this game. The Lions. would you rather any, section? The would you rather section. But because I'm kind of in charge of this, I'm going to change it up on you because I can. And Danny's been gracious enough to always let me just do random things. And also, sure. we're going to face not? the Lions again. We can do it again later. The Lions roster sucks. I don't want to do it twice. So instead, <laughs> this is going to be the Himmening. You need to stop with these damn puns. What you need to do? You, I spent a lot of boom. I didn't even react to this graphic. I was upset about that. Like, look at that. I spent time on that. 
Listen, listen. We have a friend name, in one of our chats named Devante who keeps calling him Hemothy or Hemi Neutron. And I or and and earlier this year he or over the past couple of years he called him called it going John Wick. And because of the him thing, I called him Timothy Dalton because Timothy Dalton was James Bond. So this is me. I will call him going forward Timothy Dalton because I want him to be James Bond. Also a highly underrated James Bond because, you know, F Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I was going to get the Brosnans and all that. get all the all the credit. So oh. what this is going to be, um, CBS Sports recently, this last week, tweeted out what their QB power rankings were. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from the bottom. I'm going to work my way up, just tell you the, the quarterback. And you just say, is Justin better? Is he a better quarterback than this quarterback? That's so what, would you rather have Justin or the other guy? Correct. Got it. All right. Hit me. Sam Ellinger. Justin. Zach Wilson. Justin. Oh, my God. That was such a long pause. Um, Kenny Pickett. Justin. Baker Mayfield. Say it one more time. Baker Mayfield. Oh, Justin. (laughs) Justin. Andy Dalton. Justin. Mac Jones. Justin. Jared Goff. Justin. Marcus Mariota. Justin. Jacoby Brissett. Fields. Trevor Lawrence. Ooh. Am I allowed to say push? <laughs> oh, you got to pick one. Uh, Justin, at this moment in time. <laughs> With a little a caveat, like the sentence afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Heineke. Oh, God. Heineken time. Gah. No, it's, it's Justin. Matthew Stafford. Justin. Derek Carr. Ooh, now we're getting harder. Justin. Ryan Tannehill. Justin. Russell Wilson, Danger Witch. <laughs> Justin. But can I get Justin doing stretches in the team plane as if while everyone else is sleeping? No, he's too cool for that. He's not doing that shit. Uh, Daniel Jones. Justin. Kyler Murray. Ooh, probably still Kyler at this point. All right, that's so the first one that's gone the other way. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. At this moment, Justin, Aaron Rodgers has been putrid. Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, my God, Justin. Dak Prescott. Dak. Kirk Cousins. Justin. Justin Herbert. Oh, Herbert. Tom Brady. Justin. Tua. Justin. Action Jackson. Lamar, easily. Joe Burrow. Uh, Burrow? Geno Smith. Oh, Justin. (laughs) Jalen Hurts. Jalen. Jalen might win MVP this year. Josh Allen? Still Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. The thing that's beautiful about that, though, is there were a couple pauses, and then, like, Joe Burrow was like, Joe Burrow, right? And, like, there's a couple of those. I mean, like, so what? Did, did, I, give you, did I give you not eight or nine? Maybe that were higher. Right, he's in your top ten. Right, which is awesome. When was the last time we, as a Bears fan, could say that there was a quarterback you would take only nine other quarterbacks ahead of the person you currently have? Right, right. That's an excellent point. And not just that, and we're only. I think I've, I can't speak for you, but I think the reason you're saying that for some of the people, like maybe a Kyler Murray. Um, maybe a maybe a Dak. I don't know if he falls as much in that category. Is because 
we also just need to see more from Justin, right? Like it's still early. So the fact that like by the end of the season, though, you might be like, yeah, I'm taking him over Dak at this point. I'm taking. So the hard thing for Dak is you have to understand for as much as I love athletic quarterbacks, I think there is a beauty to playing it the traditional way. And Dak is a football robot. He plays quarterback in the most traditional sense of the word. He is three steps, read one, two, three, ball gone. That's just how he plays quarterback. That's how he has trained himself to play quarterback. And I think it's a there's a beauty in it in a sense, but it also helps that his receivers are CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. And he and for a large time in his down part of his career in Dallas, he has played with a better than average offensive line. He can afford to be that kind of quarterback. Well, and it's kind of funny because when you say that, and I, I don't know if you meant it this way, but this is like what, what the way I interpreted it. The way he plays quarterback like a robot, it's almost that the older definition of quarterback though. Right. The, the, the classic definition of it. Right. Versus, and I, but I would, and I would argue that his ceiling is lower than what Justin could be ultimately, even if Justin doesn't ever play what well, that, he is a traditional oh, quarterback. Well, that, and I don't trust that ankle anymore. Oh, and that's, for that's better, thing too. Yeah. Like, but for better or for worse, just knowing what I know based on my background, that ankle just scares the bejesus out of me. And uh, John had a good comment here. I mean, this is very true. Before I call Fields a top 10, I want to see defenses adapt to him and how Fields responds. That's I mean, totally fair. Absolutely That's... fair. You, you just you want to take take the wins when you can. I is my thing because you, you're not going to see that adaptation until probably the end of the year, or if not next year, because that usually it kind of takes a, a little bit for defenses sure. to truly cycle through. That's why you know, for example, the Wildcat. That's why that worked for like a year and a half. You know, it just took a second. Ronnie Brown is in shambles it. right now for the shot you just took at him. Hey, my the first jersey I ever legitimately owned was a Ricky Williams like outer <laughs> blue like whatever that is Dolphins jersey. My I loved that whole thing, but yeah. But John, you are correct. I want to see how they adapt. I mean, to have the tape, go look at it. Go ahead. Game predictions. All right, let's go. On. Let's so go. We're almost on last two seconds. You started, did you start tracking this as of last week? No. What I'm going to do is because I had no time this week, I'm planning on next week going back and trying to get the records. Awesome. <laughs> Game predictions, lines at Bears. Bears are favored, but only by three points at home, so basically a push almost. Uh, who are you taking? Uh, Bears, and they cover easily. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a double-digit win here, to be completely honest. Wow. Um, that's 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 my personal pick. I just I think the defense will do better than we think. Like you said, the lines have very much fallen off of that high octane, what they were doing. And again, outside of Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, and even then, those are kind of, for me, tier two running backs. What are you scared of? Like if, if, if Tyreek Hill and you know Waddle are putting up 30-whatever on you, I, I can't say they're – I'm not going to say you're going to be like, oh, yeah, the Lions are going to put up 30. I think no. That's, no. Um, because – a, it's a Thursday night game, and because the Bears play the Falcons next week, we're looking at Falcons at Panthers. The Falcons are favored by two and a half. Uh, I'll take the Falcons in the cover. I did as well. Seahawks at Buccaneers. Uh, Buccaneers are favored. I picked this one because I'm like, what the heck are the Seahawks? This is weird. This is fun. Why is it working with Gino? It's just like, I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, who do you have? Seahawks, I, I took I, – what the, what's the number? Oh, it's three Buccaneers. Uh, the Outright the uh, Seahawks. I would agree. Buccaneers are in shambles. I don't know what the heck they're doing. Uh, Vikings at Bills. Bills are still favored by three and a half. Uh, I don't think Josh Allen's playing, based on my professional medical opinion, what I saw in that video. But what do you got? 
I think the Vikings went out right. I think Josh Allen tries to give it a go, and then that – I mean, I don't think people realize how the, the UCL holds the elbow together. It's kind of a big deal. How, that's a – that's Tommy John if it's bad. Like, I don't think people realize that. Like, they hear UCL, and you're used to hearing it for baseball, Tommy John. And I'm not saying that he's going to need Tommy John. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that is a massive deal. It's like when a like, – me hearing, oh, he's got UCL tenderness or a sprained UCL, which, you know, contrary to what people want to believe, a sprain is just at very least a grade one tear. So mm-hmm. um, that's like when I hear forearm tightness on a pitcher. Like, oh, this pitcher's experiencing forearm tightness. That means usually there's pain in the UCL as well, but it's it's rendering here because of how a baseball is thrown. But I digress. Continue. No, I was just going to say like even if he does give it the good old college try if they're if he's going to try to force to play it i think that's stupid because even if he can force his way through now you are potentially going to result in a grade three or even a grade four tear that will definitely require tommy john so instead and, of taking a couple weeks off and please correct me if i'm wrong mason grade one or a sprain is still just a minor fraying of the ligament itself yeah exactly it's still it's still tears so, it's just like more micro tears yes okay moving on <laughs> cardinals at rams mainly because I watched the Hard Knocks this earlier this morning and I thought that whole thing was funny. Uh, Rams are favored by a point and a half. Uh, Rams are going to win by much more than a point and a half because Kyler Murray is going to be too busy playing the new God of War. I did buy that today. Because <laughs> of course you did. I'm excited, man. I love God of War. God of War is fantastic. Um, I'm going to take the Cardinals just because the Rams are weird this year. I mean, with between the cup issues between Stafford's issues between them not having running backs for real. I still don't understand what really happened to the acres thing and how they basically tried giving him away and no one would take him, which was still very odd. They're very close. They're very quiet. There's a problem there versus the Cardinals are just some seemingly a more loud. There's a problem there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The, the acres thing. he just looks like he's lost his explosiveness. He's a big, strong, fast running back and he doesn't look fast anymore. And last pick, Cowboys at Packers. Cowboys favored by four and a half. Uh, Cowboys win and cover. Same thing. The Packers are falling apart, and I am loving every second of it. Let's finish up with our bold predictions. On offense, uh, I have that someone other than Justin Fields throws a touchdown for the Bears. Crazy. And on defense, I have that both Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker get takeaways this week. What about you? Uh, I will say that Dominique Robinson finds his way back to the quarterback and gets at least one sack on defense. And on offense, I'm going to say that um, Chase Claypool flirts with 100 yards receiving. Ooh, that would really help. Uh, I have a bet going with someone on Twitter that he'd average, I think, 35 yard, over 35 yards for the rest I of the saw, season. I actually saw this. It, it's a charity bet. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, for anyone, I'm going to try to find – I have to find the tweet because I need to save it so I can – cash in when I get it, uh, that if Chase Claypool averages more than 35 yards per game for the rest of the season, uh, it's like donating a hundred bucks to charity that one of us pick if it's under word under a hundred, under 35, I will donate the money to charity. So, uh, keep vote, keep, you know, promoting. Yay. Chase, get those yards. Um, that's all we got for today. Danny, anything, uh, you have left to say before we log off here? Nah, man. Does everyone enjoy Thursday night football and enjoy a bears hopeful W this Sunday. It's been a fun show as it is per usual. All right, everyone, bear down. Toodaloo.